Lessons from the incredible handwriting on the wall. Next on Abounding Grace. This is amazing grace. It is Election Day 2020. While many of us are glued to our TVs and the Internet waiting for the results to come in, today on Abounding Grace, we'd like to pause to consider the state of our nation spiritually. It's not a stretch to say we have turned our backs on God. Evil is on the rise. Tensions are running high. And our nation is divided like never before. What's the answer? And is there any hope to be found? Well, Pastor Ed Taylor will show us it's not too late to cry out to God for help. Restoration and revival can happen, and this nation can experience turnaround. Let's see how as we open to Daniel chapter 5. Notice, in verse 7, the king shouted. He shouted for the enchanters and the astrologers and the fortune tellers. He wanted them to be brought to him, and he said, whoever can read this, I'm going to reward you. Somebody anybody help me. No matter how far you are from God tonight, no matter what decisions you've made, no matter where you find yourself, you might be listening in on the radio right now, having no desire to be in a church service. No matter how far you are and where you might be hearing this, it's never too late to cry out to God. It's never too late. You might even find yourself crying out for help in the wrong place. You might even say, anybody, somebody help me. God loves to answer. He hears those prayers. Even if you call out for the enchanters and the sorcerers, God still hears your cry for help. And it's a step in the right direction. I'm certainly not encouraging in any way calling out for astrologers or trying to get help from this world when you know you can get help from God. But the cry for help is a good thing. And I know you're scared, and I know it's hard, but it's going to be okay as you come back or you come to God for the very first time. In the astonishment, this would have been their time to repent. This would have been the time to change. But they don't. The witness of God is no doubt flowing through the kingdom. Daniel has a high position, so the testimony of God is there. His friends have a testimony. There's a talk of the town. They know that there are men that are dedicated to the one true God. The men that those vessels mean a lot to, they have a life of no compromise. They've lived with the rewards of God on their behalf. They've spoken of God's faithfulness. They've spoken of God's reality, but we don't read of repentance here. I find a great parallel. I don't know if you do as well, but I see a very similar parallel in our own country. And we live in a culture where our nation in very many ways has demonstrated a rejection of God, turned their backs upon Him, seen high rates of abortion just alone. There's a, a few websites that track these things. Since 1973 in the United States of America, at the time uh, this afternoon when I edited my notes, this number is so big it may not even affect you. 61,806,961 babies have been aborted since 1973 just in our country. 
and as some pastors that have come before me in this pulpit as guests, with the nation, our nation with blood in our hands, unrepentant, God is being very gracious to hold back his judgment on a nation that's turned their back on God. And may I be clear, this is not a political issue. It's a moral human issue. Because on that same website, you'll see the number expanded for worldwide abortions. A nation cannot expel God from its culture and replace him with fanciful human theories and expect to experience the blessings of God. You can't expect a nation to give lip service to God and yet not honor God in their actions. Just in the last 50 years, violent crime has increased by 560%. Some reports report that divorces have doubled. Pornography is not only a multi-billion dollar industry, but pornography is in the pocket of many men and women that attend church every Sunday, unrepentant. And then you look at your life and you go, well, I don't understand why I'm not experiencing the blessings of God. It's impossible to f- experience the fullness of God when we've turned our back on him, when we've ceased in relationship to him and we just think, well, it's a time of prosperity, so there's really nothing pressing me to cry out to God and I've got a lot of time on my hands and I've got a lot of technology in my pockets and, and I've got a lot of, of, of opportunity before me and, and we neglect. It would, be, it would be the same thing any close relationship you have on earth. If you treated them like you treated God, you'd lose that relationship too. You'd grow distant. You didn't talk, you didn't call, you didn't care, you didn't check in, you didn't uh, invest time, and you didn't serve, you didn't love in a spiritual way, you didn't pray together, you're not in the word together, you're not, ga- like it, it, this is a relational issue. It's not simply a spiritual issue, but it's a relational issue. And here we are in a time in Nebuchadnezzar, or excuse me, in Babylon's time, where the, the reputation of God is all throughout the kingdom, but the leaders are partying. And I didn't get the statistic, but in the region of our country, the most alcohol consumption is up in the northeast around where our capital is, per capita. The leaders. But before we point the finger at anyone, we have to, you know, as my pastor used to say, you point the finger, you got three coming back at you. We have to think of our own leadership and how we're leading our own family, our own friends, our own homes. It's on us. It's not on them. It's us. God's speaking to us. As it's well been said in Second Chronicles chapter 7, verse 14, if my people who are called by my name will humble themselves and pray and seek my face and turn from their wicked ways, I'll hear from heaven and forgive their sins and restore to their land to them. There'll be a great work of restoration, a great work of revival. Belshazzar and his trusted advisors are shaking before the handwriting is on the wall because they're completely against the things of God. And it's still not too late to repent. Still. Verse 10. But when the queen mother heard that she, what was happening, she hurried to the banquet hall and she said to Belshazzar, Long live the king. Don't be so pale and frightened. There's a man in your kingdom who is within him the spirit of the holy gods. During Nebuchadnezzar's reign, this man was found to have insight, understanding, and wisdom like that of the gods. Your predecessor, the king, your predecessor, King Nebuchadnezzar, made him chief over all the magicians, enchanters, astrologers, and fortune tellers of Babylon. This man, Daniel, whom the king named Belteshazzar, has exceptional ability and is filled with divine knowledge and understanding. He can interpret dreams, explain riddles, and solve difficult problems. 
Call for Daniel and he will tell you what the writing means. Verse 13. So Daniel was brought in before the king and the king asked him, Are you Daniel, one of the exiles brought from Judah by my predecessor, King Nebuchadnezzar? I have heard that you have the spirit of the gods within you and that you're filled with insight, understanding, and wisdom. Verse 15. My wise men and enchanters have tried to read the words on the wall and tell me their meaning, but they can't do it. I'm told that you can give interpretations and solve difficult problems. If you can read these words and tell me their meaning, you'll be clothed in purple robes of royal honor, and you'll have a gold chain placed around your neck, and you'll become the third highest ruler in the kingdom. We notice that Daniel was not at this feast. He too needed to be called. We wouldn't expect him to attend, would we? We have a distinction here between a man of God and those that are not following God. He wasn't there, but at the same time, he becomes the most honored guest. I think that this invitation came at the answer to the prayers of Daniel. As he continued to pray for open doors to speak to the leaders of the kingdom, that this was answered prayer. I find this to be true in so many times in my life, that there's so many natural things that have God's hand written all over them, like his handwriting all over them, that I don't associate with God, but rather some decision I made or some logical thing I thought of or something other than, no, I think this was a, I was, I, I pray and I probably forgot that I was praying about it and God didn't forget and he answered his prayer at, right the right, at just the right time. And it's not just our ingenuity and our wisdom and our skills and, and our knowledge, but that God is the author behind the scenes arranging things. Daniel saw the hand of God in Nebuchadnezzar's life, and I'm sure his constant prayers included an open door. He wanted an open door with the new young king. Well, he gets it. Belshazzar, he represents so many people living today. They don't really care what you have to say or want to hear until something huge happens. And then they're ready to call you. And we have to be ready, don't we, to get rid of any cynicism, sarcasm, especially that attitude of I told you so, but instead to receive them. In James chapter 5, at the end of James, you want to turn over there with me? James chapter 5. This is such a beautiful reminder. You might want to pick up the study on the, on the app to listen to it on how to receive someone that has fallen away and has come back. How you can be prepared and ready for it. The last thing they need is for us to be cynical, for us to be sarcastic, for us to say, I told you so, because I'm sure they already know. And that's why they chose to come back. We want to receive them in love. We, we, want, them to, uh, we want to receive them in the, the, the fruit of God's restoring, restorative work. At the end of James 5, would you pick up with me in verse 19? I love this. And we did a whole study on how to receive those that come back. It says, my dear brothers and sisters, if someone among you wanders away from the truth and is brought back, you can be sure that whoever brings the sinner back from wandering will save that person from death and bring about the forgiveness of many sins. And isn't that our heart? So amen to that. It's so good. And that's why we have so many exhortations in the Bible to be ready and to be diligent. Because I believe God has seasons for certain people golden opportunities for the church to receive them, for believers to minister to them. The people that don't want to listen to you, the people that don't return your phone calls, the, the people that when you do get a chance just dismiss you, but then all of a sudden, through a series of events, God has spoken to them and they've called for you. 
represented here by Daniel. Verse 17, Daniel answered the king, keep your gifts and give them to someone else. But I'll tell you what the writing means. Your majesty, the most high God, gave sovereignty, majesty, glory, and honor to your predecessor, Nebuchadnezzar. He made him so great that the people of all races, nations, and language trembled before him in fear. He killed those he wanted to kill and spared those he wanted to spare. He honored those he wanted to honor and disgraced those he wanted to disgrace. Verse 20. But when his heart and mind were puffed up with arrogance, he was brought down from his royal throne. If you like to write in your Bibles, you can circle that phrase, brought down. That's another way of saying he was humbled. He was humbled. He was brought down from his royal throne and stripped of his glory. He was driven from human society. He was given the mind of a wild animal and lived among the wild donkeys. He ate grass like a cow and was drenched with the dew of heaven until he learned, until he learned that the Most High God rules over the kingdoms of the world and appoints anyone he desires to rule over them. You are his successor, O Belshazzar, and you knew all of this, and yet you have not humbled yourself. For you have proudly defied the Lord of heaven and have had these cups from the temple brought before you. You and your nobles and your wives and concubines have been drinking wine from them while praising gods of silver, gold, bronze, iron, wood, and stone. Gods that neither see nor hear nor know anything at all. But you have not honored the God who gives you the breath of life and controls your destiny. So God has sent this hand to write this message. Well... When you call for a man like Daniel, you better expect to get a sermon from him and an explanation. He's going to tell you the truth and the whole truth. I don't want your gifts. I don't want your big gold chain and your purple wardrobe. But I'll tell you the truth, and I'll tell it to you for free. We have the principle, do we not? Freely we've received, freely we give. And here he is demonstrating that. Belshazzar, you're prideful. You're selfish and you're foolish. Belshazzar, you have sinned against knowledge. You knew better. And here comes the review. First of all, you knew about your grandpa. It was common knowledge. You knew the whole testimony. His life was a decree to the entire world and was commonly known. And because of everything you knew, you still chose not to humble yourself. Even though you knew it. You knew it and didn't act on it which is a good reminder to all of us. God holds us accountable for what we know. Some of you know more, and you have a higher level of accountability. Some of you know less, and yet your accountability, although it's less, is from the Lord and to the Lord. God holds people and nations accountable for what they know, not for what they don't know. In Luke chapter 12, verse 48, it says, but someone who does not know and then does something wrong, will be punished lightly. But when someone has been given much, much, much will be required in return. When someone is given much, much will be required in return. Or in the New King James, to whom much is given, much is required. To whom much is given. Jot that down in Luke chapter 12, verse 48. And in our nation, in our culture, our world today, it is so blessed with the, the advent of cellular technology, with the advent of underwater fiber optics that span under the ocean floor around the world that carry around what we know as the internet today, 
where in our pocket, our, our little pocket phones have more computing power than the spaceship we sent to the moon, <laughs> where we have in our vocabulary the word Google when we, find about, when we want to find out facts about something, let alone the technology has kind of been taken for granted but still widely exists. We have over-the-air television. We have, you know, we have cable television. We have satellite television. We have YouTube and Vimeo. We, we have radio. We have uh, digital radio, AM radio, FM radio. We have books. We have libraries. We have digital. I, the world is without excuse. There are more churches today, more Christian camps, more conferences some of us have heard more sermons than people that are in heaven right now. You know, if there are people in heaven right now that never heard a sermon, they just heard the gospel. And then God took them home. And here we are sitting on hours upon hours upon hours of sermons. Do you not think that God won't hold us accountable for what we know? For God holds you accountable for what you know? I believe that there's great accountability to us. We live in a country with such great freedom and even some protections for the practice of our religion. And for everyone listening to my voice right now, wherever you are in this room downstairs, if you're listening on a radio station here in Denver or somewhere around the country, around the world perhaps, podcasting and on and on it goes, you know enough to be saved at this very moment and you know enough to surrender your life to the love of God. Which is why in the life of our church, not only do we want to remind you of the great weight of sin and the separation that you have before between you and God. Not only do we want you to know about your sin, but we want you to know about the forgiveness that's available through Jesus. That God so loved you that he sent his only begotten son to die a perfect sacrifice for you. That if today you would repent and turn away from your sin, if you would just be real about your behavior today, you just be real about where you've been and what you've been thinking, you just be real that you're not a worshiper of God, and yet you choose to embrace God, God will receive you. We emphasize that over and over again. We emphasize it with your kids in Sunday school. We emphasize it in the main teaching here. We emphasize it in the junior high. We emphasize it in our high school. We emphasize it in our college gathering. In every gathering that we have, it's the desire to evangelize and see a person one to Christ, discipled in Christ, sent out for Christ. That's why for us as a church, we've invested a lot of our resources and time and people and hours in radio technology, in uh, apps and websites and, and just getting the word out in a multiple way to be one other voice in the loud voices that are out there trying to grab people's attention. I received an email this morning or yesterday that I sent out to the team. It was just a quick little blurb of, a, of someone that was surfing through YouTube and came across an old study that I shared. Uh, it was a testimony that I gave in New Jersey at the radio outreach there and how God used that testimony. Of all, who knows how many, I don't even, I just should have checked how many like, videos are up on YouTube and some of you might think, why would you spend so much time on YouTube? There's so many teachers there, so many better teachers there and so much on there and all of that I would agree with you. But all the investment, putting a video up there to minister to this one gal in New Jersey, the power of the gospel. And you wonder, how does a nation get changed? A nation gets changed one person at a time, where that person then runs back home and begins to share with their family and their loved ones. And, and God's still changing people one at a time through your life. 
and why a few years ago for our city, having such a burden for this city, not really understanding that the impact that we would make, but hoping and dreaming. And might I just say, as you're hoping and dreaming about serving Jesus, keep hoping and dreaming and do something. Do it. Because God wants to do exceeding, according to Ephesians, God wants to do exceedingly abundantly above all that you think or ask. So keep hoping and dreaming for the things of God. And a few years ago, probably I, I don't know, maybe almost 10 years ago, we invested in a radio station. Despite all the criticisms and all the people that said, why are you doing that? God doesn't use radio anymore. Nobody listens to radio anymore. And, and uh, all of that, you're wasting money. I, I, I can't even tell you all the things that we heard about the critics that rose up when you take a stand to say, no, I think the Lord wants us to do this. And he opened the door and he's given the resources and he's going to give the rest. I think he's going to do this. And yet, where, what is happening today but that God continues to use FM radio through this little church to impact lives, even when you go to bed. When you go to sleep tonight, the radio is still going to be on and people are still going to listen and lives are still going to be changed. Because while you're sleeping, there's a whole other group working and driving. And while you're sleeping, there's a whole other group on the other side of the world that's wide awake and just waking up for the morning and stumbling upon this station or that station. And you, you begin to think about all of the work and all the effort and all the warfare and all the difficulty and all of the resources and all of the money and on and on and on that list goes. And you, then you come to the conclusion, well, is it worth it? You tell me if it's worth it. I say it's worth it. And God is going to honor that. And he's going to honor our commitment to reach this city. And just to be in one small tool in what God is doing. It sure is incredible to see what God is doing through radio. We just get a glimpse of it. And it's enough to leave us amazed. We're going through Daniel one verse at a time with Pastor Ed Taylor on Abounding Grace. Before we part ways today, a few things we want to tell you about. If you'd like to hear today's message again, log on to AboundingGraceRadio.com. Again, we're on the web at AboundingGraceRadio.com. You can also download our free app and access our teachings that way. Search for Calvary Aurora. Pastor Ed, here we are on Election Day. I thought your message today was timely and really just what we needed to hear. Our nation is divided. We've turned our back on God and we are at a critical point. But as you said, a nation can change for the better one person at a time. Would you send up a prayer right now for America, healing and restoration? I would love to do that, Larry. Father, we do pray for our country today as many go out to the polls. I pray for the divisiveness God, that you would bring healing, that we as a country would humble ourselves, especially those of us that follow you, that are in relationship with you, that we would repent of our sins, we would die to ourselves, and we would live in such a way that would please and honor you, that we would follow truly in the footsteps of you, Jesus, who was busy about your Father's business, busy about the Father's business. May we be busy about the Father's business. And may you heal our land, God. And whatever the outcome of this election is, may we find ourselves more submitted, more surrendered, more committed to the gospel of Jesus than ever before. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. Thanks for praying, Pastor Ed. 
Our featured resource is an excellent book by Max Licato called In the Grip of Grace. You know, we all make mistakes and sin, and it's about that time we so often feel guilty and make a determination to try harder so it doesn't happen again. But there's another path you can take, one that actually works, and it's detailed for you in the grip of grace. God's grace, it's something we need not only to get into the family of God, but to live as we should. Request a copy of In the Grip of Grace when you support Abounding Grace with a gift of $25 or more. You might think of it as our way of saying thank you. You can do that by calling 877-30-GRACE. Again, our toll-free number, 877-30-GRACE. You may not realize this, but we are listener-supported, and each dollar that's sent in is an investment in what God is doing through Abounding Grace. You'll be helping people all across the nation and world become a man or woman that God can use. You can make a donation online at AboundingGraceRadio.com. Daniel is in the lion's den. Next time we're together for Abounding Grace, Pastor Ed Taylor will share the practical application flowing from this Sunday school classic, and you don't want to miss it. This is amazing grace. Abounding Grace is brought to you by Calvary Church Colorado here in Aurora.